Broadcasting from the Stolen Droids Hangout, it's the Stolen Droids Podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Stolen Droids Podcast. I'm Zoner. I'm Zook. Happy Thanksgiving and Black Friday and Merry Christmas to all. And to all a good night. And Kwanzaa, Hanukkah, yes. Winterinemus. Festivus. Right, right. Kwanzaa Hanukkahnemus. Yeah, that works. Yeah. Um, you have a good turkey day's honor? I did. You know, I just kind of played it low key at home with my family. We normally have people come over, uh, but that didn't happen this year. Everybody decided to go somewhere else, and that was okay. Hung out, went to the park with my kids, and had fun because it was like 65 degrees here. Thanksgiving is the holiday I love the most because it just inherently is low key. Everyone, everyone's trying to fix that. Everyone's trying to change that, but I love it because it's low key. Um, you know, there's not a ton of decorations to put up. There isn't like an entire month's worth of, you know, got to get presents ready. Got to get cards ready. Got to get letters to everyone ready. Got to make gifts for your neighbors and friends. Um, you know what I'm saying? It's just... It's nice. And, you know, I really hate that stores are opening up at like 2 o'clock or noon now. I think I saw somewhere for Black Friday. No, dude, it's Thursday. It's not Black Friday until Friday. Mm-hmm. It's it's Black Thursday, which people suck and you need to all shut up and go home. My, my 14-year-old is sitting there going, so are we doing anything for Black Friday? Mom, are you going shopping? Wait. Is that racist? <laughs> no, son, it's African American Friday. Yes, exactly. They get I, one day. Screw their entire history month. Yeah, you know, I'm kind of surprised nobody has called people out on that. And obviously it's got nothing to do with the color. It's all about profits and and whatnot. But yeah, that's I, I'm waiting for that. It, it's going to all of a sudden become too racist to say. But I used to be huge Black Friday guy. I loved Black Friday. I would go out Thursday night, maybe 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock at night, and go get in line for when stores opened up at midnight or 2 a.m. or whatever the case may be. But it was Friday when I was doing my shopping and I was having a fun time. My friends would go. My family would go. I mean, we'd have a good time. But the moment they started infringing on my Thanksgiving dinner, I said, screw y'all. I'm going home. Or rather, yep. I'm staying home. And I've done that. And the last the last few years, I've done all of my Black Friday shopping online, in my pajamas, in bed, mm-hmm. on Friday. Yep, no, I uh, I'm right there with you. My wife used to go out and do it with her sisters, you know, and it was it's more of a social thing. Yeah. Which I which I totally get. We talked about this, you know, a couple of weeks ago with the iPhone, you know. It's sometimes fun getting to go out, get in line for something you're excited about with your friends, with your people and be part of the rush. Yeah. You know, I I get that. Um but yeah, I mean, Thanksgiving, you travel, you go see family, you eat a big meal, you then continue to snack on said meal through the rest of the day. There is no really any official dinner, uh, at least in our household, because we had Thanksgiving at lunch. 
That's how we roll, too. Yeah, yeah. And, and the rest of the day is deviled eggs and some pretzels in dill dip and some cold turkey, and here's another piece of pie, and football and laughing and trying not to talk politics, religion, or you know any of those things yeah and and then traveling back home and that's it and it's good and it's nice it's nice that's how i like it i don't want to have to worry about hurrying to eat my food so i can be in line at jc penny when they open up their doors at two o'clock yeah um so my brother is uh he's dating an irish girl he's actually in ireland right now um and uh, she they, she doesn't get it. I guess Europeans just do not understand Thanksgiving. Well, it's because, you know, we're basically indirectly saying screw you to Europe when we have it because we're no longer speaking European. Any European tongue. I wasn't just trying to be funny there saying European is a language, but any European tongue, we are no longer part of them. I'm given a real weird look here. Anyway, um, yeah, I, I guess they all just think it's like some turkey-themed excuse to get fat. And it's like, no, no, no. Listen, Miss Irish, we're American. We don't need an excuse to get fat. I was just going to say that. We really don't need an excuse to sit in bed all day eating Pepperidge Farm cookies and, and turkey. I mean, we don't need that because that's how that's how Americans tend to our roll. Our forefathers fought and died for our ability to do that every day of the week. Yeah, yep. And and dang it, if I want to do that, I will do that. Hey, shout out to our friends over at TrekRadio.net, CryptonRadio.com, Stitcher.com, Radio KSCR, Geek Factor Radio, and. By Butterball, which um, I'm still eating. Actually, where we are, me too. We are recording this uh, Friday night, uh, Black Friday night. It is a Black Friday night, dark as my soul. Yes, Um, and some leftover stuffing. You know, I made a different stuffing this year. Uh, I normally make a really good savory mushroom stuffing. But I tried something different. I made a I made bread out of coconut flour. Hmm. And it was a little bit sweet, and I, I did the stuffing using that coconut flour bread loaf, and it was amazing. It was so good. Uh, my mother-in-law um, made stuffing for us uh, this year. It uh, She had mixed results. It, it it was delicious. The flavor was amazing. She did not put nearly enough moisture into it. And so it was really more eating breakfast cereal that tasted like stuffing. It was so crunchy. She It was, I've never heard her swear before. Um, but she pulled that out, looked at it, and swore right there in, in the kitchen. So did you pour it in a bowl and put some milk on it? Um, we, we, um, we added some... Uh, turkey stock to it and uh, heated it back up it, it got a lot better we're just oh, sitting good. there quietly crunching on it around the table you know i i love stuffing that's like my favorite thing that and sweet potatoes are my favorite thing love yeah, i it. can't get i can't get behind sweet potatoes or oh. green beans oh really and see we do green beans too yeah it's always my job to make the green bean casserole i can't stand the stuff but i'm always the one who makes it 
You know, I think it's interesting. I was looking yesterday at the trending searches on Google. Yeah, green bean casserole was right up there. No one can remember how to make it. I know. It's like the most simple recipe out there. It's on the back of the French's fried onions. Yeah. I mean, it's like, and it's so simple. I mean, it's like cream of mushroom soup, onion, some pepper, and you're good. Oh, yeah, green beans. Yeah, milk. Some recipes call for milk. Some don't. I I add milk, and I add a splash of Worcestershire sauce. Ooh, yeah. That's good stuff. And garlic. Yeah. I mean, it's it's like such a basic recipe, yet nobody can ever make it. It's funny. And in my opinion, no one should. Hey, uh, we got feedback. <laughs> Ooh, sweet. Did we piss people off? No. Uh, Ruff writes, Zook, would you still recommend those Russian guys for an antivirus? I He's wrote talking back. about Kaspersky. Well, I wrote back. I'm like, which Russians? Can we be more specific? Igor's computer comrades isn't too highly recommended. Because I'm, <laughs> I'm a funny guy, you know. He writes back, Kaspersky antivirus. Um, well, here's the thing. I've, I'm not going to walk back previous recommendations on them. But technically, I've never said I use them. I've always said I use Windows Defender. Right. I always use Windows Defender, and it works just fine for me. I've 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 used Kaspersky years and years and years ago. Yes, and I liked a, it. As have and, I, and they were great. Of the different antiviruses I used, they were the best. Um, the whole Russia thing. If I sound tired, uh, dear listeners, it's not because I haven't been getting enough sleep. It's just because I'm tired in my soul. <laughs> it's been a rough week. You know, we we thought we would be doing like a, a holiday gift geek gift buying guide. Wow. Thing. Try again? Or yeah, you want to roll with that? We thought we'd make gift recommendations. Good copy. Okay. Um, yeah. Uh, instead, just... Uh, so the whole Kaspersky thing, this is the way I look at it. They make a great product and as best I can tell, they are largely on the up and up when it comes to saying what security threats are out there and what's wrong with your computers. Have they been infiltrated? Yeah, probably, probably by the NSA, the CIA, China, North Korea, Russia, probably just about as everyone, everyone does. Okay. Everyone infiltrates every other company, it seems. So have they been infiltrated? Yeah, probably. Probably just as much as any other antivirus company has been. Um, Do I think they've been maliciously attacking people and leaking it to the Russians? I don't know. I've stopped. I've almost stopped caring because, again... I use Windows Defender. <laughs> you know, I I feel like that with a lot of things, and I think a lot of people are feeling that way. They just are stopping to the the care is ceasing, which is a problem. It's a big problem because we're bombarded with so many things constantly and everything. I mean, President Trump sneezes funny, and the media is telling us that the guy needs to be impeached because of it. I my mean, ev- my everything- six year old. My six-year-old at the Thanksgiving table. Why is the president texting so much? I think she means tweeting, but why is he texting? 
No one has time to text that much. Isn't he the president? Isn't that a busy job? Yeah, I mean, everything is so blown out of proportion. And it's it's both sides. It's everyone. And I it's think it's not people, just a sides thing. It's an everything thing. Yes. And everything is just so over dramatized. I think that people are just starting to give up and tune out to the point where they don't care on the big things even. Well, and this has happened before. Do you remember when it seemed like every single week was a new terror alert and we're to chartreuse or whatever strange terror scale we're on now? And that's why we need to get, take naked pictures of you uh, when you fly. Oh, and yeah. that's why. And we got so burnt out. We got so tired. And so now the idea of walking through a back ray scanner and having a cartoon version of your naked body put up for everyone to see is perfectly fine. We're expected. That's normal. That's 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 just the world we live in now. You know, part of me wants to. Uh, you're exactly right, though. But part of me wants to make them do the full body check. You know, with the hands on and stuff, instead of doing the naked scanner, just so I can make comments to make them feel uncomfortable. But I don't want to ever miss my flight. <laughs> and I well, know that that's that why you would probably early. happen. Yeah, that that I'm sure that's what would happen is they would detain me and I would miss my flight because the inter- you guys have listened to this show for how many years? I I don't hold back sometimes and I really should. So, yeah. But, you know, one of those things that that's been going on and we talked about it a little bit last week and I think people are just tuned out is the FCC with the net neutrality stuff. Yeah, that, um, look, and the problem is, is that we're kind of preaching to the choir here because listeners of this show, if you listen to a podcast, any podcast, okay, it can be Bubba's gun emporium podcast. Okay. It doesn't matter. If you listen to a podcast, you're inherently more tech savvy than a lot of people, right? You know, the very fact that you know what a podcast is means that you are more tech savvy than a lot of people. Right, right. Um, and that, that's, that's not elitism. That just simply is the way it is. You know, uh, it, yeah. it's like to flip it around. If if someone says, well, that's a nice uh, assault rifle and someone says, uh, no, that's a semi-automatic you know, auto pistol. It's like, look, just the very fact that you knew any of those words, and look, even I know I screwed them up, immediately means that you know more about guns than a lot of people. Okay, so my point remains, though, is that our audience probably already knows a lot of this stuff about net neutrality and why we're all screwed now, Um, but we've got to cover it anyway. Because that's what we do. And, you know... We don't want to be political. Unfortunately, politics keep. Well, this shouldn't themselves. be a political discussion. It no, should it, not be. We did not turn it into one. No, and, and that's exactly right. But I know a lot of people are going to say, oh, crap, they're talking government stuff, you know, politics, blah, blah, blah. We're we're really not trying to be a political podcast. That's not what we want. So, so here's full here's disclaimer the there. Yeah, here, here's the thing. Since April, the FCC has been taking in comments 
about, hey, do you want to keep net neutrality or not? And according to them, they've just been inundated with people saying that they do not want net neutrality anymore. They want to repeal it. The power grab by Obama and Wheeler was just them trying to take control and make millions off the Internet, blah, 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 blah. We've talked about this before on this show and how many of the email addresses linked to those comments are coming from people who say, we never made those comments. Yeah. And we've avoided talking about this for the very reason that we didn't want to get way political. But I think we did talk. We did talk about that part of it. We did talk about that part. Mm-hmm. Well, um, the FCC said, well, we got to keep them. You know, there's no way to definitively prove that they're hacked or they're spam or whatnot. We got to keep them. We got to listen to them. They are the citizens of the U S really, 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 especially when it comes to light that many, many people have been sending in form letters into the FCC and the FCC has turned around and said, um, no, no, we can't accept that. That looks too similar to this other one that was sent. Uh, it's probably spam. Yeah, they're they're changing the rules as they're going about it. So a um a data miner and linguist actually went through uh because it is the FCC and all the comments and the forms are public record. Is the linguist cunning by chance? I'm sure he was. Okay, um, just checking. And went through all the comments. You know what he found out? This this, what? this pisses me off in general here, okay? That, yes, both sides used a lot of form letters, auto-populates, uh, a really interesting technique using a mail merge to substitute synonyms just to throw off um, so the letters looked just different enough, but really they were the same letter with just different adjectives added in. Okay, yeah. You know? Um, and he was able to clear through all of that. He was able to go through all of it and clear it out. Then he took a thousand of the comments. Oh, sorry, I skipped a step here. Using that, he found that of the 22 million comments left, there were only around 800,000 unique ones. Okay, so he went through and he took out a whole ton of ones that were against net neutrality. Okay, and then he went through and he took out a whole bunch of the ones that were for net neutrality because both sides were using these auto mailers. Yeah. Right? And he found that out of 22 million comments, only 800,000 of them were unique. Interesting. Very interesting. So then he took a segment, a slice, a random slice of that 800,000. That's still a lot to go through. That he is. took He took 1,000 of them. And you know what he found? That of the unique comments left... 99.7 of them were for net neutrality. That's a that's an overwhelming amount of percentages there. And I can almost assuredly say that in truth, 100% of people were for net neutrality. And you want to know how I'm going out on a limb and saying that? Please elaborate. It's just like our talk about the podcast. 
if you know enough about net neutrality to feel its worth going out to the FCC website, finding the comment page, because it's not easy to find, and leaving a comment, you inherently feel strong enough about it that you are in support of it. That is true. It, it's, that, it's That is a very good point, actually. People who don't really care about it don't do this. People who kind of have a waffling sense of, eh, I don't really like the government regulating my life, they don't do this. The only people who care enough about it are for it. Here's where I get pissed off, though. Okay, and this okay. isn't in any headline. This isn't in any headline. Uh, Zoner, do you own a gun? Um, you don't I, have to go into great detail. Just, I, are you I, a gun owner? I, I I have owned guns in the past, yes. Okay. okay, I am not. What would you say is the number in a percent form of Americans who own a gun? You know, I honestly have no idea. I would say maybe... And see, this, I would say at least 25 to 30%. Okay, that's fair. According to a 2012 census, 34% of U.S. households identify as owning a gun. Now, it doesn't say a gun or just many guns. That's just uh, firearm owners. They could have 50 guns. We don't know. We don't care. Let alone many guns to necessitate a rack. Yes. Thank you, Wayne. Um <laughs> The, for the point of this argument, it doesn't matter what kind of guns or where they got them or have crimes been committed. That's not the point. Okay. Okay. How many people would you say use the internet in a percent? I would say probably 80, 75 to 80%. You are good at this, man. 81%. According to the same census the same year, 2012, 81% of U.S. households use the internet. Okay, so it is safe to say that more people use the internet than own guns. I think that's a fair assumption, yes. Awesome. Okay, so we've established that fact. Through empirical evidence, we've established that, right? And since we came up with it on a podcast, it is gospel law. Right. Have you ever been to a town hall, a committee meeting, a... A governor debate, a Senate debate, a presidential debate, any debate where they start talking about gun law. Yes. What happens to people who are against gun law? Do they just kind of show up and sit quietly there and eh, maybe I'll put in something that says I'm not, I'm against gun law or... You know, maybe maybe I'll just kind of maybe put in a comment card or post about it on Facebook. Okay, now this is a loaded question. No yeah, pun intended. I, I, no, I got I got problems with some of the verbiage that you're using, but I'm going to let it slide. Okay, okay. But generally speaking, people who are pro Second Amendment are very vocal when they perceive that threat being infringed upon or potentially taken away. Uh, John Oliver did a great uh, bit on the NRA a while back. I, I want to say this is an older video of his. And he points out that the membership of the NRA is actually surprisingly low. It's a lot less than you'd think it is. But you go to anything where they're talking about 
increasing gun control or overhauling gun control or expanding the scope of gun control. And you know what? They're there in spades. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And want to know why it's so easy for them to protest is because they're against any gun control. Well, what about no, no gun control? I, look, I'm not trying to vilify them. You, you have a look on your face. I'm not trying to add an agenda here. I'm, I'm saying no, this in a I, positive I, way, actually. Their message is very simple. Their fight is very simple. No. Okay, I, I think you're painting with a broad, very broad strokes here, but I'll allow it for the sake of argument. Okay, okay. So my, my I, point I, is, I know I, I understand where you're going, which is why I'm not going to. Okay, fair enough. I'm not perfect at this. I'm just a podcaster, people. My point is I am pissed off because if only 34% of America would technically be affected by these laws, I know that's, let's say, directly affected by these laws, right? And an even smaller percentage of America can fight that hard. But yet something that affects 81% of us is going down and going down right now and only 800,000 people can even bother to say anything that pisses me off. Well, you know, it says a lot. I mean, we live in a, in a society where more people pay attention to American idol than they do to the presidential election. And I'm sure that a vast majority of those people think that, the winner of American Idol does become the president. Is it any wonder we elected a reality star? Exactly. Exactly. I mean, say what you will about him. He is a reality star. I mean, yeah, he did other stuff, but he's a reality. He's a game show host. But no one cares about that stuff. No. Yeah. And, and the fact that we now have, and, and I this may come as a surprise, Zook, I've been pondering on this whole net neutrality. I've been, I've had very mixed feelings about the net neutrality stuff. Oh, you you have for years. I know that because I well I'm saying it for the benefit of our listeners, but I don't like the government controlling stuff. I don't like the government regulating things that they don't need to regulate. However, they've set the they've set the telecom industry up, the cable industry up. To where there is no competition, we're basically we're basically in a monopoly for these companies, and technically it's not a monopoly, but for all intents and purposes, it is. It's a duopoly, and I did not invent that word. It's technically it's, what we're at, and it's it's garbage that there's just no competition out there. And so, I think the government has screwed the people over so bad that the only way to do it, I can't believe I'm saying this, is to get involved. And net neutrality was how they did it. Right. Now, okay, so here's what it comes down to. The FCC has released, or technically the chairman of the FCC has released what the plan is. And he did it on Thanksgiving. Why? Because screw you is why. You know, that is a total dick move. I'm just going to say. that. Mm-hmm. And, and the politicians do this all the time companies do this all the time if they want to release something that's big and they don't want people to know about it they put out that press release friday at 4:45 they put it out on thanksgiving in this case 
when nobody's paying attention to the news cycle. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's so, exactly what's happening here. He's burying it in the news. So what he did here uh, is he released a huge statement, um, and it is huge. And he uses all the big words to try and really obfuscate. See what I did there? I can use a big word, too. Um, his point. Uh, here's a good uh, example. Quote, because of the paucity of concrete evidence of harms to the openness of the Internet, the Title II order and its proponents have heavily relied on purely speculative threats. We do not believe hypothetical harms unsupported by empirical data, economic theory, or even recent anecdotes provide a basis for public utility regulation of ISPs.428. Indeed, economic theory demonstrates that many of the practices prohibited by the Title II order can sometimes harm consumers and sometimes benefit consumers. Therefore, it's not accurate to presume that all hypothetical effects are harmful, end quote. He's saying there's no real evidence to support the idea that companies would ever try and do something to harm us. Except there is. There are tons of examples. Yeah, I mean, it's tough to throw a dead cat without hitting an example there. Um, there's, there's a lot of times... The private sector has screwed over the consumer. This is only an hour-long show, so we can't get into all of them. If you no. don't know what they are, do some research, please. Okay? Yes. Um, so they're doing away with it entirely. They're doing away with Title II, which means it's no longer a protected common um, utility, right? A public utility. Um, they are doing away with the oversight system. They are doing away with pretty much anything that uh, companies need to do to uh, report on what's happening. Now, under previous laws, the networks, the, the telecom companies still had to say what they did in terms of network management. So if they had to go in and say, look, this guy Zoner and his ilk have been playing this game like nonstop and it's throwing a this game takes up just huge amounts of bandwidth and it downloads tons of video and it creates a real problem for everyone in their surrounding areas for every player of this game people in the entire neighborhood lose internet service so we've had to limit the speeds of people who play the game or play games that use that protocol and this is what we did and this is why we did it okay they have to do that as a network admin myself i understand that Okay, they've had to do that in the past, but they had to report on it. Now they don't. They can simply say, oh, yeah, we had to do some network maintenance. Do you have to say what that network maintenance is? No. But why did the network have to be maintenanced? Don't have to tell you. <laughs> I like that word, maintenanced. Yes. Um, well, what if you have a problem with your ISP? Can you still report on it? No, because they've also decided to take away the formal complaint system. So they've basically given ISPs who are extremely powerful carte blanche to just run wild out there in the World Wide Web. That's a very scary thought. And the true the truth is is that we don't need net neutrality if we had a choice of companies to choose from. True. 
if we had 15 different ISPs in our area, truly 15 different ISPs, um, I could say, look, you know, I'm just going to choose the one that acts the most neutral. I'm going to choose the one that lets me have the fastest speeds and doesn't nitpick about how I use my data or when I use my data. Yeah. You know, I'm going to choose. And the other companies would follow suit. Don't believe me? That's what happened with T-Mobile when they did away with two-year plans. Did they really do away with two-year plans? Not really. But it really did shake up the cell phone industry. Yes, it did. They would all follow suit, except for the fact that, oh, there's only two ISPs in my area. And if you think I'm wrong, if you go to like a broadband search and you decide to enter your zip code, what broadbands are in my area? You're going to find a whole bunch of them, but guess what? They all buy from one. Yeah, and therein lies the problem. Mm, that's only part of the problem. Uh Quote, we believe that applying Title II to Internet traffic exchange arrangements was unnecessary and likely to inhibit competition and innovation. We find that freeing Internet traffic exchange arrangements from burdensome government regulation and allowing market forces to discipline this emerging market is better than is the better course. Indeed, the cost of Internet transit fell over 99% on a cost per megabit basis from 2005 to 2015. Yeah, do you know why? It wasn't because that they were free to do whatever they wanted. It's because between 2005 and 2015, the hardware got cheaper. Hardly a computer was sold in 2005 with a 100 megabit Ethernet jack even in it. You gave it a few years, every, all of them came with a gigabit jack. Yeah. Maybe 2005 isn't correct. When did that start? I had to still buy a network card until until 2001, 2002, maybe. Anyway. It's, it's neither here nor there. Right. It's not because the FCC or the FTC was doing such a great job at not regulating the Internet. It's because the internet, it's like saying, hey, look, between this year and this year, cars got so much faster. It's just proof. It's proof that it works. It's proof that we were doing the right thing. No, it's because the hardware got better. It's because when the first car rolled around at five miles an hour, we could only go up from there. Yeah. Well, in the final screw you moment of the FCC here, and look, we've already spent half the episode talking about this and i'm still pissed um certain states have said well you know what we're not going to take that our citizens want net neutrality our citizens are, are who voted for us we represent our citizens we are going to enforce net neutrality in our state you want to operate in our state you have to be neutral or cities are yeah ah no no see the fcc doesn't want to regulate anything Unless they're regulating your state because they don't want you to have net neutrality in your state. And they say they're going to block you, but they haven't really gotten into detail on how. That has to be the most telling thing about all of this. Yeah, that's that's what's really disturbing is, you know, I think Comcast has basically gone in and shut down cities from being able to do their own local broadband. 
mm-hmm. which is terrifying that they have that kind of power that they can pull that something like that off. Now, I would like to point out the hypocrisy in all this. If I may, a lot of things that the alt-right likes to go on and on about is how everything is an infringement on states' rights, right? That's the new quote-unquote official reason for the Civil War and all that fun stuff is states' rights. No, it was slavery. Read their, read their um, documents. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But, but, but you know what I'm saying? Everything's states' rights now. In fact, yeah. the whole reason behind getting rid of net neutrality is because it isn't up to the government to impose its will on the states. It should be states' rights. Don't let some bureaucrats in Washington, D.C. tell you how to use the Internet. Oh, oh, this state wants to enact net neutrality? Well, sorry. Sorry, now we're going to impose our will on you and screw your state rights. You're not allowed to have net neutrality. This seems just so blatantly, it's just such a kick in the crotch. It really is. And there are, uh, there's a lot of money that has, that has traded hands to get us to this point, I'm afraid. And no, I can't, I don't have the research. I can't say this person from uh, representing this company paid this senator or whatever this much money but you know it's out there you know it's there mm-hmm. and this works really well for the cable companies for the telecom companies yeah so yeah i i'm not a fan of of this because you stop and you think the government sucks but Comcast, holy crap, do they suck. And, you know, there's a couple things I wanted to touch on here. That first quote that you read, uh, where it said, therefore, it is not accurate to presume that all hypothetical effects are harmful. Notice he says all hypothetical effects. Well, what if most hypothetical effects or some hypothetical effects that, are that's, harmful? That's right. That's, that's kind, you're right. That's kind of a, a, a thinking fallacy. It's like, look, I know there was a hundred things that happened here, and ninety nine of them were bad, but you can't say all of them were bad. Yeah, well, exactly. That's, maybe you could say all that matter near enough that counts. Yeah, that's try. That's that's playing the technicalities and, and trying to trying to cover his butt. You know, I, I don't like that. That really, really bothers me. Yeah. That really bothers me. And I actually did a quick search here just to see which ISPs were available in my area talking about, you know, the competition and the lack thereof. I've got Xfinity from Comcast and I've got CenturyLink, hmm. both which offer me speeds that are good. And then there's a handful of other companies with top speeds of like 5 meg, 10 meg. I'm sorry, but in this day and age, you cannot function on a 5 meg connection when you have 32 wireless devices all connected to your internet at the same time. Your cell phone gets a faster speed. Exactly. Exactly. That is not true competition. No, it's not true competition. And what's worse is many of those smaller ISPs in your area are actually subleasing space from Comcast or CenturyLink. Exactly. Yeah. So, so yeah, there's there's not the competition out there that we've that you know it, on the surface, yeah, there is competition, but is it true 
like for like competition or is it I want a banana here's a turnip not that turnips are bad I, I mean but it's, an, like it's turnips, a banana but, brand turnip you know yeah um okay so so let's yeah move F- on. FCC now they've only released their proposal they have not actually passed it yet is my understanding so there's time let your voice be heard if you think that this is an important deal by the way can i just add in one last little thing i'm kind of pissed about but at the same time i can't necessarily blame them for and this is the only thing i'm giving them the idea of getting rid of all the feedback because it looks cookie cutter that used to be how you got attention from your senators. You started a letter writing campaign. Exactly. And many times then the letters were the same because that's what you were doing. I That used to be the method. At the same time, I can't really blame them because, yeah, if you're trying to cut spam out, quickest way to tell is all the ones that look the same. It is. It is. I, but, you know, I can't help but feel that we are in some alternate timeline right now, and it happens to be the darkest timeline. Mm. I, I I get that feeling. And it's it's not just the FCC. It's everything. So... Yeah, yeah. Cra- craziness. So we should we should move on though to other stuff that's infuriating. Like how about Uber? Uber? Oh geez, Uber is this company just like one of the worst companies ever? Like not the fact that they are just you know poorly led by their CEO who's no longer their CEO and whatnot, but just. I, I get the feeling that it's a company run by a bunch of a-holes. Mm-hmm. Um, they apparently were hacked. And 50 million... Now, ru- now, that doesn't make them a-holes. No, that doesn't. So let's, 50, let's clarify here. So 50 million writer accounts were accessed. 57 million now. No, that's a problem. 50 million and then 7 million driver accounts were accessed. Oh, you're right. Sorry. And Uber paid $100,000 to cover it up and make it go away. So Even more in, than that, they did one other really douchey thing. Okay. Douchey to the hackers. They tracked them down using their own tracking algorithm. You remember that God mode that they used to use on everyone? Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. They, they tracked, probably still do. They used the tracking algorithm to track the hackers down and force them to sign an NDA. Yeah, that's what's funny. <laughs> like, that, hol- holy crap, people. So, yeah, that is just... Uh, and they won't disclose the identities of the hackers. They say none of it should have ever happened, you think. Um, But, man, that's just... They knew they knew about this for, an, for a year. And two attackers accessed some private Git, uh, private GitHub coding site that was used by Uber software engineers and then used login credentials they got there to access data stored on Amazon Web Services. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just, oh my goodness, this is, this is amazing. But the fact that they paid a hundred grand to keep it quiet and then well, made the hacker sign an NDA, that's just, 
we're going to get into the whole uh, GitHub and Amazon Web Services here for a moment. But, uh, yeah, that's not great, Uber. Um, even better is the fact that they're getting sued now because of this. Their CSO, their chief security officer, was fired over this. Um, oh, who else was involved in this decision? That's right. Their previous CEO, who has been ousted because evidently the man makes no good decisions. Yeah, that guy, I mean, he he's like a cautionary tale to people. Just look at him and do the opposite. Like he he really 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 likes that new movie coming out. Avoid it. Avoid it at all costs. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, he, this restaurant, it's his favorite restaurant. Yeah, don't go there. You will die from food poisoning. He's bought stock in salted caramel Pepsi cuz it's it's the way of the future. <laughs> all other sodas are going to be salted caramel Pepsi. So so you've decided salted caramel Pepsi is a no-go, huh? You know, it was it was fun to try and I didn't I don't I'm not sorry about it. You know, it's not one of those and it's like, oh, nope, I'm throwing out after a sip. But it's certainly not my go-to drink. Maybe maybe what they need to do is come up with salted caramel Pepsi clear. Mm, maybe. Yeah, get get the nostalgia going there. Ugh. Um, I, th- I worry that if you drank something that tasted like salt, caramel, Pepsi, and was clear, you'd worry that you just drank acetone. <laughs> probably um guess um, who else was hacked who i don't know i can't see their name imger imger oh I- imager imager yes they were hacked um around 2014 uh 1.7 million email addresses passwords were uh, leaked they were scrambled um uh with an, an algorithm However, it was 2014. It was three years ago. Uh, that algorithm has since been cracked. Yeah. Now, the thing is, is that here's why I'm not as worried about this. Imager doesn't really ask for your actual name, your actual address, any actual information. And it's generally assumed that most people on there aren't posting under their normal, you know, it's like, oh no, 4chan's user database was hacked. What's going to happen to all those people? Except all those people are trolls anyway, and probably used a burner email account. Which, yes. So. Yeah, that's true. I mean, that, that's a big deal, but it's not a big deal. Like Uber's is a big deal. Mm hmm. Oh, oh, speaking of Uber, we skipped over this one. They are being fined almost $9 million by the state of Colorado. I did, except I said sued. Oh, for allowing drivers with felony convictions. Oh, that's right. And and suspended licenses. Yes. So, yeah. I mean. What the hell, Uber? If you want to do business the most horrible way possible, just look at the way Uber does their business. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, okay, we need to burn through quite a few of these. Um, YouTube is going to be cracking down on videos that exploit minors. That's good. Now, this is this is an interesting one, and I wish we had more time to talk about it. Do you remember there was a, a video that went viral of some parents, like, they did something on the floor, 
Oh no! Blame, blame it the was an kid. entire channel based around that. They did yeah. an entire channel based on terrorizing this kid. Yeah, and, and they terrorized this kid, and the government got involved and actually took the kid away. Yeah, because it was such an abusive situation. Meanwhile, they're making money off this from YouTube. Mm-hmm. That's just disgusting. But they're not the only ones. There's a ton of people who do crap like this to kids and make money off of destroying children. Or, or or simply videos that seem really oddly placed, like here's a seven-year-old and she's just handling a cucumber. I'm making this up, but at the same time, they're out there. And yeah, strange, you're not making it up. Yeah, there's a strange you know five-minute video of a seven-year-old girl handling a cucumber. Um, that's really odd. Hey, wait a minute. Why does it have 14 million views? Yeah. You know yeah, exactly that, why it has 14 million views. That stuff ain't right, man. That yeah. stuff ain't right. So uh, YouTube is going to be addressing that, trying to crack down on it harder. Uh, meanwhile, in other child exploitation news, if you've got a new iPhone X, congratulations! You help support child labor. Um, it turns out Foxconn <laughs> has been, I want to say abducting, but it's not quite right. Um I'm just going to read you, word for word, uh, the Financial Times article on this, okay? Uh, Six high school students told the Financial Times they routinely work 11-hour days assembling the iPhone X at a factory in Xinjiang, China, which constitutes illegal overtime for student interns under Chinese law. Uh, The students, the six said they were among a group of 3,000 students from the Xinjiang Urban Rail Transit School sent in September to work at the local facility run by Taiwan-based Apple supplier Hanhai Precision Industry, better known as Foxconn. The students, aged 17 to 19, said they were told that a three-month stint at the factory was required work experience that they had to complete in order to graduate. The school declined to comment. Of course they did. When contacted about the students' complaints, Apple and Foxconn acknowledged they had discovered cases of student interns working overtime and said they were taking remedial action. Wow. Yeah, that's that's madness. Now, uh, we we should throw this up. Um, the link that we have linked to, and Zook, I'm assuming you had it open already. Mm-hmm. I, I had it open earlier, and I closed it, and I just went to reopen it. It's behind a paywall now, so sorry about that, y'all. Okay. Um, you'll find it elsewhere. Um, holy crap! I mean, what the heck? Yeah, that that's pretty, pretty insane. Um, if you want to graduate, you will make this cell phone for 11 hours a day. I... Oh, but man, you have those new animated emojis. Oh, yeah. that That's a big deal, though. That's this is why the deal. world hates us, people. Jeez. Um, uh, speaking of both kids and iPhones, that new iPhone X and Face ID system has already been broken uh, by a 10-year-old kid unlocking his mother's iPhone X with his face instead of hers. Now, to be fair... You can turn down the security setting on it to be faster, uh, which I'm guessing this mom had done. And there's also reports, and we talked about this, you know, weeks ago, that suppliers were told to turn down the security settings anyway, 
or to be more lax in the security settings just to get the iPhone X out in time. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm just saying, this whole way of the future seems a lot like all the other ways of the past with a security system. You can spoof. Yeah, that's interesting. And, you know, it's. I think Apple came out and said something along the lines of, well, it's a kid, so, you know, that's not a big deal because it's a kid. Right, because kids have never done anything on their parents' phones that didn't lead to huge amounts of spent money. True, true. Uh, We're going to skip over a bunch of other headlines here. Uh, We'll put them in the show notes, so if you want to, they're still there. Uh, Facebook is working on uh, finding, uh, giving you ways to tell if you liked a Russian post on accident. Intel had a vulnerability that PC manufacturers are scrambling to try and fix. Uh, YouTube is back on the Amazon Echo Show, but it's not quite an app. All good things. But our last headline is going to be from DJI, the drone company, who uses GitHub and Amazon Web Services. Okay, so DJI makes the Phantom, the Phantom 4, all those different drones, right? And they're a Chinese company. And so people were saying, well, we're not going to buy them anymore because we think that everything that's being recorded is being sent back to China. U.S. military said they would stop using DJI drones. Uh, People were calling for them to disclose their source code, all this different stuff. So, oh, and then there was also reports of people being able to remotely hack and gain access to the phantoms. So DJI opened up a bug bounty hunter program, basically saying, hey, look, try and break it, find bugs, submit them to us, we'll pay you. We want to get, we want to shore this up. We want to show everything's in good faith. Normally a good thing. Google does this all the time with Hackapalooza and hackathons, yeah. right? So one particular uh, coder said, okay, um, out of curiosity, are your servers also included in this uh, the bug bounty hunt? I said, yeah, sure, go for it. He did. Uh, Found a whole bunch of SSL keys that were publicly made available. Um, Found access into their private GitHub, um, which wasn't so private, actually. Found keys, uh, private keys to get into Amazon Web Service uh, for their Skypixel photo services. Found ways to get onto their servers and gain access to pretty much anything. And when he brought it up to them, they called him a hacker and listed a whole bunch of charges. Let's see. What's the actual thing it's called? The actual, the Computer Fraud and Abuse Act. And threatened to, like, have him arrested for it. Yeah, that's that's not right. (laughs) That's not right. Oops. The thing is, is that, you know, I've worked with a lot of coders, a lot of developers, and they all use GitHub. Um, I'll bet you money right now, Schmitty uses it for all of his projects. And GitHub is a really great way to share code amongst other developers. Okay? Uh, Developers on your team. Let's say Zoner and I are developers on a private team, and we're working on something kind of private. Well, we would create a private GitHub where we are only sharing code with each other. Right. Yes. But let's say I'm working on a a project that requires public assistance, and you know I'm really looking for this one thing that can do this one particular function using this technology. And someone else says, "Oh, I did that. I have that over here. You can link it over here on GitHub, and I can download his code." 
Okay. And I get it. It's this really great way to cooperate and collaborate and to just gain all that different information. Coders need it. But just like every other cloud service, it can and is hacked. And when instead of social security numbers or credit card numbers or addresses, they're pulling your source code that allows you them to get into everything else you're working on, maybe it's time to stop using cloud services like that. Yeah, true. I, totally true. I've never trusted it. I've never trusted it. And you can call me an old fogey for that, but I've always brought it up. Every time someone says they want to use GitHub, I always say, I don't like that idea. And this is why. Yeah. Yeah, you start putting code out there where people can access it. It's eventually going to get accessed. Mm-hmm. All right, into our favorites. Mine is from Rhett and Link, and we haven't had one from them in a long time. But you give us Rhett, you give us Link, and then you give us Weird Al, and it's just going to be awesome. It's a good thing. So they had him on their Good Mythical Morning show, which is like a half hour to hour long show. They used to just throw it up there on as one video on YouTube, and it was kind of annoying because I don't have time for that, though technically I do because I watch videos that long all the time, but I didn't want to. Now they just break it up into segments, and they put all the segments up there. So if you want to keep watching it, you just go from one segment to the next in a playlist. Thankfully, this interview is just one segment, and they decided to get close and personal with Weird Al. They do this by having him stand in the middle of the room, and they're standing on opposite ends of the room. And with every question they ask, they get closer. And closer. And closer. Until they are very close and personal with Weird Al. And he is visibly freaked out. <laughs> and it is... It is hilarious to watch because you kind of get the feeling that he's always the one used to being weird. And when someone else is genuinely being odd, he doesn't quite know how to handle it. That's awesome. So check it out. It's a lot of fun. Uh, my favorite this week is actually from The Tonight Show. Uh, they had uh, Jimmy Fallon had Jerry Seinfeld on. And Jerry Seinfeld and Jimmy took turns delivering some... Short stand-up routines written by Seinfeld to determine who was the better Seinfeld. And, I mean, I love stand-up comedy. I love Seinfeld. That's still one of the best shows on TV, in my opinion, to have ever been on TV. And I just... It is good fun to see these two guys, who are both immensely talented, uh, delivering Seinfeld jokes, which, you know, that's never a bad thing. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's good fun. Check it out. Excellent. All right. Well, that is our episode this week. Hey, let us know what you're thinking. Give us a call, 801-917-GEEK. Uh, email us, feedback at stolendroids.com. Follow us on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram. Uh, or, hey, you know, we didn't mention this at the beginning, but we love you over at patreon.com. Our our supporters, our producers over there. If you head on over to patreon.com slash stolendroids, you can be one of them. Not yes, that we don't it, love you anyway, but I'm just saying. And I, sh I should throw a programming note out. We've recently just published a interview with Scott from over at NerdSync on YouTube. He's been my favorite a few times here. Makes amazing videos about comic books. 
And we've got video that accompanies that that will be exclusive for our Patreon subscribers. So if you want to see what it's like when an interview takes place or, you know, just want to say thanks for doing a bang-up job, check us out over on Patreon.com. All right. Well, and until next time, cheers. Good day. This has been a Stolen Droids Media Production.